Uh, Coach Harding? Oh, yeah. Come on into my uh, office, uh, I'm sorry. I, I just, I really wanted to talk to you. I'm going to be going to school here. Well, I mean, I'm not going to school here yet, but I'm, I'm starting next year. And, and I just, I really wanted to, I, re- I really want to review movies for the podcast, Coach. You want to review more movies here at yeah. Late Seating? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'll work real hard and uh, I'll review any movie that you want me to review. Okay, but you're not qualified. Uh, not yet, but I will be. I'm, I'm, yeah. So you want to, once you are qualified, then you want to come here and review movies. Yeah, I just wanted to introduce myself so that you would know when I got here that I'm the guy who really wants to review movies at this podcast. I get it. You're, yeah. you're excited. You want to, yeah. you want to yeah. do it. You've probably been dreaming about it since you were a little boy. I just, I, I, I just, you know what I want? I want, to, I want my dad to see me come out of that tunnel down there and uh-huh. review a movie as a part of this podcast. Great. Well, there is one way. You can get on this podcast. I'll do anything I have to do. Anything? Anything I have to do, Coach. I just want to be on the podcast. It's been my dream since I was a kid. Anything? Yes? You're five feet nothing. A hundred and nothing. And you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and we see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good. Isn't that right, Steve? It is. What movie are we going to review this time around, Steve? We, oh, we are going to review that beloved sports slash biographical slash inspirational quote unquote based on a true story football movie, Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Great. If only Cary what? Grant was in it, I would have. I, my 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 rating would have jumped up twenty points if we could have had Cary Grant go. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. I'm super excited for this review, Rudy. Aren't you, Steve? Yeah, I am actually. I've never seen it. Had no interest in seeing it ever, and now I've watched it twice. Yep. Steve. Yeah, man. Do you have any trivia for Rudy? I do have trivia for Rudy. Go for it. I do. You know that Rudy is one of only two films to actually be shot on location at Notre Dame. Yes, the other one was Newt Rockney against the Martians or something. Yes, Newt Rockney conquers the world. Right, exactly. Uh, Newt Rockney All-American. So the lesson we should take from this is, if you want your movie to be good, don't shoot it at Notre Dame. (laughs) Jesus Christ. also, here's a here's a neat little bit of trivia. So uh, one of the one of the actors in the movie is Ned Beatty, yes. and in the movie he plays Rudy's father. Well, That's a right. year before this movie, he appeared in a movie called Prelude to a Kiss, and in mm-hmm. that movie his wife was played by Patty Duke, who is the mother oh. of Sean Astin, who plays Rudy. That's right. So there you go, a little a little a little Hollywood so incest Astin for you. Sean Astin had to watch his mom kiss another man. Yeah. On the mouth with and tongue. I'm, for that extended Ned Beatty, Patty yeah. Duke sex seed. And I bet it made him mean mad. Yeah, it probably made him mean angry mad. He said, Mom, why are you having sex with Otis? <laughs> That's all the trivia you got? I got one more. Okay, I go got one it. more. Okay, right. so the director of the movie was so displeased with the additional editing done for the commercial TV version which was done to allow for more commercial breaks when they showed it on TV, that Mm -hmm. he asked to not be credited in that version. So the TV version of Rudy is actually credited to Alan Smithy. Alan Smithy gets a lot of work. Yeah, he does. He's, you know, you have to give it to him. He doesn't have the best artistic reputation, but he keeps getting work. Also, grow the fuck up. I know. What, what, What medium are you working in? And also, and I mean, I don't want to spoil my review, but it's Rudy. It's Rudy. It's not like it, I mean, it's it's not like you know Tarantino wanting to take my name off the TV version of Pulp Fiction. Like it's fucking Rudy, dude. Yeah. Get over yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Yeah, whatever. He took pride in his work. Yeah. Well, then he should have made a better movie. Oh, Jesus Christ. Take pride in the, oh the director of Rudy takes pride in his work. Well, that thanks for letting me know because I couldn't tell from the fucking movie. <laughs> Uh-huh. We seem to have switched your, places. Is that all your trivia? You <laughs> That's mean all my bastard? trivia. That's all my trivia. <laughs> un-American sports-hating piece of shit. Are you uh, done? Fuck it. Yeah, I'm done. Great. It's directed by David Onspog, the big baby we were just talking about. <laughs> the he big directed, baby. <laughs> he directed another movie called Hoosiers. Another yeah. movie I haven't seen. I haven't seen. 
I haven't came seen that one either. Came out in the 80s. I wasn't interested in sports. Unless it had tits or monsters or spaceships, I didn't care. For all we know, so, it has all three. It could, but haven't seen it. it's just a basketball thing. Um, and nothing else. He directed like a bunch of other movies. Not a bunch, but I mean a few other movies, but none of them mm. were noteworthy or good. Um, <laughs> written <laughs> by Angelo Pizzo, also Hoosiers, and nothing else really. Produced by Robert N. Fried, and... You know him. He also produced movies like Godzilla and the Boondock Saints. Oh, so that's also, quite a track record. Uh huh. Also, Carrie Woods, and he's produced other movies like Kids, Ooh. the Scream franchise. Wow. Also, Godzilla and Gummo. <laughs> that's quite a diverse filmography there. Gummo. <laughs> wow. He. He. he is an executive producer for the movie Gummo, which doesn't even look like it had more than five people working on it, right? Was he the guy that's like, he needs to eat more in that bathtub? <laughs> well, you know, there's the connection, though, because Gummo was 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 written and directed by the same, by Harmony Corinne, who direct, or yes. who wrote uh, Kids. He didn't direct it, but who wrote Kids. Well, Carrie so Woods you know. is very well known for discovering directors. And usually from, you know, little indie films. Yeah. What he's doing with this movie, I do not know. I don't know. Cash in a check. Or Godzilla. And I'm not <laughs> talking about the one that came out in 2015. I'm talking about the one that came out in 1998. Yeah, the, the so. universally reviled one mm-hmm. starring Matthew Broderick. That's right. And his adorable hat. <laughs> starring Sean Astin as Daniel Rudy Rudiger. And you know him. He's that little cutie from Goonies. Yeah. And he's that great big cutie from the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. And And he's that gutted cutie in Stranger Things. (laughs) And he made this one kind of in between those. That's right. John Favreau as Dennis D. Bob McGowan. And you know him as the director of Zathuthra, The Jungle Book. Uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. He's one of the founding fathers of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Absolutely. And And now he does The Mandalorian. And and now, yeah. Yeah. And he likes cooking, and he's gotten big. He's gotten big, big. Ned Beatty is Daniel Rudiger Sr., and you know him from Superman. He's done a lot of movies. You might know him from, from, uh, what was it, Deliverance. Deliverance, absolutely. That's right. Charles S. Dutton as the magical black man. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> as as Fortune. Fortune. And you know him from Alien 3 and that TV series The Rock. Which was great, Robert, by the way. Huh? Rock was a really was good show. Was Rock good? Rock was good. It. Rock was good, okay. yeah. Robert Prosky is Father John Cavanaugh, and you know him because he's a character actor, and he's been in fucking everything. But mm-hmm. he was the... Uh, he was in Gremlins 2, who was the... Uh, the scary midnight host that wanted to become a news broadcaster, and he's been in Hoffa, and he's been in tons of TV. He's great. Um, he was in Christine. He got killed by the car. He's oh, it's so good. <laughs> Jason Miller as Coach Era Parsegigibugi. Parsegian. That's him. And you know him from The Exorcist. That's right. He was Father Karras. Mm-hmm. Lily Taylor as Sherry and one of my early screen crushes. I liked her. Yeah. I liked her a lot. Don't don't get she's barely in this. Space. No, don't yeah, don't get too attached. But you know her from Mystic Pizza and The Conjuring and a bunch of other movies. Mitch Rouse is Jim. Nothing. Chelsea Ross. I think it's Chelsea. I think so. As Coach Dan Devine, and he's in movies like Above the Law and Major League and Basic Instinct. Ron Dean as assistant coach Joe Yanto, and he was in Risky Business and The Breakfast Club. John Beasley as assistant coach Warren. Nothing. <laughs> Vince Vaughn as Jamie O'Hara. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, Vince Vaughn has I'm throwing that shit. one out there just to piss off Vince Vaughn fans. All those Vince Vaughn stands that listen to our podcast. What else has he been in? What about Wedding Singer? There we go. Was he in Wedding Singer? What about Fred Claus? He's had a great career. What about Wedding Crashers? Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. Not Wedding Singer. Sorry, Wedding Crashers. What about Jurassic Park 2? Hey, he was good in that. Was he? He was as good as anybody else was in it. That's true. (laughs) Greta Lind is Mary. Nothing. 
Christopher Reed is Pete. Nothing. Jerry Becker is Father Ted. A lot. Like, way too much to list right now, but a lot of TV, a lot of movies. Diana James is Pickup Girl. Nothing. Mindy Hester is Pickup Girl 2. Nothing. Cinematographer all, uh, Oliver Wood. He's done cinematography for Die Hard 2, Face Off, and the Bourne franchise. Hmm. Edited by David Rosenblum, who edited Deep Impact and not a whole lot else. Music by Jerry Goldsmith. Star Trek. Yes. And Rambo. <laughs> and Rambo and Gremlins and The Mummy. You've heard his music before. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, do they do. Yep. <laughs> Jeez, the music. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the the, really? direct, yeah. the directors of trailers will be mm-hmm. will be grateful to Jerry Goldsmith for this score. Try the distributed by TriStar Pictures. Dead, I think they're dead, aren't they? I hope so. Okay. Release date October fifteenth, nineteen ninety three. Running time one hundred sixteen minutes. Budget twelve million. Box office twenty two million. It's made its money back, and lots of people love this inspiring story about how, if you're completely unqualified, you can force your way into a sport and and become famous. Right, and Steve? That's the American way. That's right. Be a pest so, until you get what you don't deserve. Or, you know, work really hard and actually deserve what you get. That's right, a different Steve? movie. That's a different movie. No, it's not. It's this movie. <laughs> no, it's Just, not. Steve's so angry, he's, <laughs> he's, he wants to ignore that part. We'll just. I can't wait to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, are you ready, ready to put on our, our blue and gold and go running into the world? Yeah, to join the... To, sure? to, to play football for the Irish? Mm-hmm. You yeah. ready? I'm ready. Okay, Steve. Yeah. Take it away. Oh, boy. So um, we see some kids, and the kids are playing football. And, and we're in Joliet, uh, Illinois. Illinois. And uh, they're playing football, and this tiny little uh, dwarf yeah. in a gold football helmet is like, I want to play. I want to do something else. And they're like, ha you're gross and disgusting. We hate you. Yeah. We hate you. We, we hate don't want you guts. to play with us. You have yeah. no talent, no skill. You have no reason to be out here playing, just playing football with kids, just yeah. fucking around in a and field. How I, dare and I, you? And I have to tell you, okay, like in this first scene, I'm like, why are they picking on him? You know, that's not fair. And then after the movie goes on for a while, I'm like, oh, I totally get it. Because Steve's a bully. <laughs> Steve's a bully person. <laughs> so yeah, they're playing football, and then and Rudy, the, the little guy is Rudy, and and he, you know, he, the other kids, it's mostly his brothers. I think there's one kid who's not his brother, a couple kids that aren't his brother, but it's mostly him and his brothers. And yeah. um, and they're playing. They football. treat him like shit. They treat him like shit. They pick on him and kind of you know push him around, and uh, they go home. And it turns out Rudy, and this will become something of a running theme in the film, is a big fan of Notre Dame football. So is his dad. So is his dad. And that's kind of like, you get the impression that's kind of like one of the things that bonds them together because they they're not really super close, but like they both love the football team. And Rudy says out loud in front of everyone while they're eating dinner, I want to play for football with Notre Dame. And everyone says, fuck you in your dreams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, they have a nice, they laugh. They have an extended laugh that goes on way too long. And it's obviously hurting him. One of them falls over laughing after yeah, he says it. Exactly. His father chokes on a biscuit and then pats his head and goes, oh, you poor stupid little, I, did you come <laughs> out of me? I didn't think I had kids this dumb. You worthless little shit. Oh. Yeah, How exactly. dare you have dreams or How dare want you have things. Dreams. You'll never amount to anything. That's right. And so uh, then they, they all watch football, and you can see his little faces. They're watching Notre Dame. And then he goes in his room, him and Pete. Right. And uh, he starts lip-syncing? No. Well, Actually, yeah, he's speaking along to it, but it's they're playing like a record, I guess, of a famous Notre Dame football coach, like inspirational speech that he gave in the locker room speech, to the team. Yeah. And yeah. he knows it by heart. He knows all the words and he's going along with it and reciting it. And his and his brother, Pete, was just watching him and smiling and like, oh, mm-hmm. that's our Rudy, you know, like. Yep. Um, and then we and cut then we, to later on, right? And we cut to high school. Yeah, high school Rudy, and it's it's the last. I guess it's the last football practice in high school, and Rudy's on the football That's right. team. And the coach says, "Okay, 
So other than, you know, you, you, and you, he names like three of the players, not mm-hmm. Rudy, not one of which is not Rudy. He's like, other than those three, the rest of you losers are never going to play football again, so you better enjoy it because you suck and I hate no, you. No, Rudy is one of those people. It's the seniors. Does, does he say – well, yeah, well, but he, he names three players by name as though, like, they have a chance to go play in college, and I don't think Rudy's one of those, is he? Uh, no. Yeah. And so we see that, and we're like, okay. And then we cut to class, and one of the priest teachers, because he goes to a Catholic, Catholic school, school, yeah, is like, okay, kids, if you want to go tour Notre Dame, there's going to be a bus tomorrow. And Rudy shows up at the bus the next day, and the priest is like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, I, I want him to go and look at Notre Dame. And he's like, you're never going to Notre Dame. You're never going to Notre Dame. You're too stupid. You don't have you don't the grades. Have good enough grades. Yeah. You just go, just kill yourself, would you? Just, mm. you're not worth anything, Rudy. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. These kids, they have a future. You don't have a future. You have nothing to look forward to but pain. Mm-hmm. Then we get a title card that says four years later. Right. And we see that he's working in the steel mill with his brother. With his brother and his, brother his, and dad, his dad, yeah. And Pete, his best friend, right? Right. And they're, they go to lunch. He's, you know... It's Rudy's birthday. It's Rudy's birthday. He turned 22. His friend gives him a, a Letterman jacket from Notre Dame. He loves it so much that they start kissing right there in, in the lunchroom. Yeah. And uh, we have to look away because it gets really graphic. Like, but, and really fast, too. Like, you're not prepared for it at all. Anyway, it turns out that Rudy has been saving up to go to Notre Dame. Right. He's saved a whole thousand dollars. Oh, bless his heart. The next day, him and his girlfriend go looking at houses because she's like, we've been saving up to get a house and you owe me this for all. Yeah. This is what I'm this is what I get. And he's like, OK. He's like, yeah, he, sure. Saving up for a house. Yeah, that's the ticket. Then then he goes to a bar. His brother makes fun of him. He gets in a fight that his dad has to break up because the whole family drinks at the same bar. Yep. It's a family affair. You know, they're a close uh-huh. they're a close knit working class Irish Catholic family. Right. And then. The next day, Pete is killed at the steelworks. Yeah, oh, you hate when that happens. Uh huh. Yep. We cut to his funeral. Rudy's very sad, and he says, "I gotta go, and I've got to get into Notre Dame." And he breaks up with his girlfriend at the funeral. Yep. And he goes straight to the bus stop. He goes straight to the Greyhound station. His dad's there, and he's like. Dreams are stupid and you're stupid. Don't chase your dreams. Be like Steve Shives. He would stay in the same position and not aspire to do anything. Right, Steve? That's not necessarily the case. <laughs> I know. I know how much he hates this movie. And I'm going to take every opportunity to remind him of the values that he's downgrading in this <laughs> film. I, w- I want Rudy to die. He wants him to die. <laughs> and I want to kill him. Okay. Anyway, his dad is like, "Dreams are stupid. You're stupid. Just stay here." Stupid. And yeah. get killed at the get killed yeah. at the <laughs> the fucking steel mill. Don't you like want to be like your did. friend Pete? Oh, okay, bad example. <laughs> but he doesn't listen to him, and he takes his bus and he gets onto the campus and he walks in and he's like, "I want to join." And the priest is like, "Well, okay, I think well, you're hang on, hang on, hang. you're glossing over something here." He walks what? up to the security guard at the front gate of Notre and the front gate of Notre Dame and says, "I want to go to school here." And the security guard, because he lives in a real world where rational rules apply, has no mm-hmm. idea what the fuck to do with this random <laughs> shithead who just walked up and said, I want to go to school at Notre Dame. And he's like, maybe I can get you to talk to a priest? Because he naturally mm-hmm. assumes that he's emotionally disturbed and he needs some kind of intervention. Right. So he sends him to the, so he sends him to the priest. And the priest thinks that he wants to be a priest. And right. he's like... How do you feel about little boys? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very important question, Rudy. Consider the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't want to be a priest. I want to go to school here. And the priest is like, well, you don't have good enough grades, but I could get you into the local community college, and if you get your grades up, then maybe you can, you know, come here. And Rudy's like, okay. And so then he walks over to the stadium, and he breaks in, and yeah. God or the magical black man talks to him, and he's yeah. He's like, I'm going to play football here. And then Rudy, like a crazy person, forces his way into the coach's office. Yep. And he's like, I I have to get my grades up, but I just want to introduce myself. I'm crazy, and I'm going to be going to this school. Anyway, bye. And the coach is like, (laughs) get him out of here. So then we cut to school, and that's when he meets uh, uh, Favreau. Yeah, yeah. What's the character? D-Bob. 
Debob. Debob, who and is a who is a teaching assistant. Yeah, and Debob seems to think that um, he's good with girls. Debob has a lot of strange ideas. Like yes. he he yeah. Even though I think he 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 goes from looking at Rudy as kind of a bumpkin, you know, like what are you doing here, to mm-hmm. saying, oh, so you know lots of girls here, right? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I'll trade you for to to tutor you and help you with school. If you help me find girls. Yeah, you be my wingman. Mm-hmm. And then we'll probably become best friends or something. Yeah, probably. And so then we cut to him, and he goes to the field, and he meets the, mag- the magic black guy. And he's like, can I get a job here? And he's like, no. And he's like, please. <laughs> he's like, fine. You're hired. <laughs> Whatever. Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And then we cut to basically a montage of... Rudy trying to find girls for Debob. Yeah. And uh And also studying. schools yeah, school stuff like studying and stuff, yeah. Right. And then he meets the janitor guy whose name is Fortune mm-hmm. and uh he's like, Hey, so you have a bed in here and he's like, Yeah, sometimes my lumbago or whatever yeah. I think he says sciatica, is. but yeah, he's His sciatica he, yeah. acts up. He needs to lie down. And he's like, Oh, I'm just gonna walk over to this window and unlock it because I'm homeless and, and and Fortune sees that, and he's like, yeah. uh-huh. And then um, they walk around the school, and then they go into the locker room, and Rudy comes in his pants a little bit yeah. because he's in that room. And then he has, as near as I can tell, a weird psychotic episode. He, yeah, he, he recites that same speech that we saw him do as a kid. Right. And Fortune, for the first of many times, just kind of sighs and watches patiently and waits for Rudy to get his bullshit out of his system so he'll, get, so he'll actually get to work and do the job he's been hired to do. Right. But then he goes to the Notre Dame campus, and Debob is like, I want that girl over there who's signing people up for extracurricular activities. And then Rudy signs up to be on the pep squad. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the football boosters or something. And, but the thing yeah, is, the football you, boosters. But the thing is, you but, have to be, you have to actually be enrolled at Notre Dame. And he lies and says, yeah, sure, I go to Notre Dame, even though technically he's still going to Holy Cross instead of Notre Dame. Yeah, and then he does one thing for the boosters. They all meet at a bar afterwards where he drunkenly tells her, I'm not, I don't, I don't belong at Notre Dame, but I'm gonna. And she's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. You're not. It's lying. Yeah. And so then Rudy goes and sees a parade, and then he can't get in to see the game. And then he sits in the stands afterward and looks sad. And then he sneaks in because he's using the cot to sleep because he doesn't have any place to live. And then he talks to the magic black man. And the magic black man pretends to not know because he leaves a key for him. He leaves him a key, yeah, so he doesn't have to climb through the window. Yeah. Right. And uh, now we go into a cycle of him attempting to get his grades up. Yep. Right. And yeah, we, we have a couple of scenes of, you know, he every every year he applies to Notre Dame to transfer mm-hmm. and, and he, he's constantly rejected because his grades aren't good enough. Yep. And he goes home for Christmas. Yeah. His parents are, I don't know, disappointed, sad. I'm not sure what it is. It's not good. And his brother is such a dick. <laughs> well, his one brother is. His other and his other brother is is, is dating, dating his ex girlfriend. Fiance, yeah. 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 And then he I think he leaves. He yeah. just shows up for five minutes and he turns around and he yeah. goes back to school. Which I'll give him and credit then, for that. That's the perfect family Christmas visitation. And then basically for the next, I don't know, thirty, forty minutes <laughs> it's him constantly being rejected by Notre Dame. Yeah. And uh, eventually he meets the priest that got him into holy names. And uh, I think the message is, pray to God, it'll happen. But it's not anything like that. It's like, I can't remember what it is. What does the priest say to him? Yeah, he says, well, Rudy says, have I done everything I can do? And the priest says, have Mm. you tried praying? And Rudy's like, that's the ticket. So then we see him like lighting candles. And then it works. And it works. God smiles upon him. And in a nice little bit of acting, because you won't hear Steve say it because he hates this movie. <laughs> Rudy cries when he when he reads it. Yeah, he does. Rudy actually cries. Like the sniveling little wuss that he is. That's right, because Steve likes traditional sports movie where the guy jumps up and goes, Yahoo, and runs around. Not cry, 
which is more realistic of someone who's been attempting Yay. over and over again to get into Notre Dame. My com- my constant complaining and hitting other people up for favors and making a nuisance of myself and whining about complain. how I haven't gotten things that I don't deserve. It finally paid off. Things he doesn't deserve. He worked his ass off uh, to get his grades up. He's a little jock-sniffing shit. Oh, my God. Okay, so... <laughs> Steve watching another movie aside, we <laughs> he gets to tell his dad that he got into Notre Dame. Yay. But, I mean, he's not actually on the team officially. He's going to do a walk-on. Because right. Notre Dame had allowed for walk-on tryouts. Right. And then we have a huge scene of the walk-on tryouts. One coach wants to put Rudy on the team because he tries really hard. Yeah. Well, there's, there's the uh, they, they have there's like the, the 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 real team, like the the first team mm-hmm. that actually plays in the games, and then there's what's called the prep team. Right. That the that the first team basically plays during practice. That the varsity team plays on. Against yeah. And practice. and Rudy and gets on, on the prep team. Right. Yeah. And so Rudy he he goes and he thanks the black dude who does not give a shit. <laughs> Fortune does not care that he got in on the game. And then we have the massive montage of Rudy during these prep games. Right. Right. And everyone's starting to complain about him because he's hitting them too hard. He's putting everything into it. I mean, basically, the coach that, that allowed him to come on the team told me, if I see you falter at all, you're off. You're out of the, you're off the team. You're off the prep team. And so he's working, like, super hard. Um to, so that some of the guys, including um, Favreau, who's a dick, and kind of looks like more like a young who's what's the name of the guy who plays uh, Doctor McCoy in the Star Trek movies? Oh yeah, Carl Urban. Yeah, he looks like a young. Carl a little Urban. bit now that you mention it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but they're like, "Why are you doing that? Why are you hitting us so hard? Why are you doing this?" And he's like, "That's kind of his job is to <laughs> is to help you guys train harder." And they're like, "All oh, right." And then more montage and even more montage. He makes friends with some dude. What's his name? Oh, I the, but the other, the other one of the other guys on the prep team, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you got to stop it because you know what? You're pushing too hard. He's literally injuring himself. Yeah. There's a scene where he's like, okay, I want you to remove your leg and stick it directly in the sauna for the next 20 minutes because you've blown your knee, you're hurting your arm, your eye, your head, your eyes just hanging right out of the socket. Just. <laughs> But the other guy is like, you need to stop this. Meanwhile, his parents don't even believe that he's on the team because he's never, they can't see him on a, in a game. Right. right? Yeah, because he's, he's, he's the, the, the prep team doesn't actually dress for the game. They're not on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So he goes to the coach and he says, can I play in a game? And he's like, sure. And then he, then he quits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My fucking hero. Uh-huh. My fucking like, hero. Yeah. He says, sure, you can suit up next year. And then he promptly mm-hmm. retires. Fuck you, Rudy. Meanwhile, D-Bob is leaving for a job yeah. in Florida because he's done with school. Meanwhile, uh, he keeps he keeps showing up to see if he's going to make it onto the team, right, right. onto the team roster. Right. And he gets more and more and more upset when it doesn't happen, and then they're finally getting down to the last game of the last year that he's going to be attending college. And he's like, fuck it, I'm going to quit. And thank God for the magic black man. He finally fulfills his purpose. He he steps in every once in a while to say, oh, (laughs) boo-hoo. Yeah. You didn't get to play play football, but you did get to leave with a massive education under your, you know, you're leaving Notre Dame as a graduate. You have a degree from Notre Dame, yeah. 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 Wah! Dip you didn't shit. get to play baseball, you fucker. And he then he lets him know that he also sat on the bench for the game when when he was young, right? Right. Because he also said, "I've never seen a game. I'm never going to go see a game, whatever." And so now we come to the scene where all the teammates who now love Rudy because he pushes so hard and he's got so much heart or whatever that they're all going to turn in their jerseys to the mean, mean new coach. Yeah, came from the Green Bay Packers. If they don't let him play, at least or at least sit on the bench for one game for right? the last, yeah, the one of the last games, yeah, or the the last home game, I think it is, yeah. And so the coach says, "Shit, I guess I gotta do it." And so he puts him on the team. <laughs> Rudy tells everybody. His family shows up. His his D Bob shows up. 
Everyone shows up. His dad falls down and starts crying because he's never been to an actual Notre Dame game. Um, the team says Rudy's going to lead everybody out onto the field. And they're like, okay, <laughs> let him go. And then he doesn't play for the whole game. There's seven, how many seconds left? Like a minute Yeah, left? something like that. And yeah, and the, the, the team scores, uh, Rudy plays defense. So the team scores yeah. a touchdown, even though the coach, I think the, the coach tell, tells them just run out the clock. You know, and the, but the team scores a touchdown, so that the it, defense can come on. So they're leading twenty-one to three. There's only there's less than a minute left. Yeah, and so to get because Rudy plays uh, defense. Yeah, to get they need to get the ball changed over, so they need to so they score a touchdown, so that Rudy could get a chance to play. Then everyone chants Rudy's name, and so they put him in the game. Right, right, and he makes a sack. Nothing he did at this point would make any difference. It was just the fact that they let him play. Right. And he makes a sack, and everyone's like, woohoo, and the team comes out, and they carry him on his shoulders, and everybody's happy, and, and then Rudy just dies because his life has been completed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that's it, the end. And the movie tells us that he's the only person to ever get carried off the field at Notre Dame, which was true up until 1995 when they carried off one other player. And did that? And, and did that player actually accomplish something worth celebrating? Like you give a fuck, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> you know how much I care about football. I know. I know. It wouldn't matter what I said. Yes, Steve, it did. He did something that was incredibly important. He cured a child of I don't know lupus while playing and football. That's impressive. While playing football at that game. That's right, Steve. <laughs> While playing football at that game, he While cured child While playing football at the game, he cured the child of lupus. Wow. Well, then he deserved now, to be some carried Some people out. are going to be like, wow, you really tore through that, Jason. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because even though it's uh, a little more than, what, it's almost two hours long. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of plot. There is no. a whole lot of montage. Yes, there. J- Jerry Goldsmith earns his money. <laughs> yeah, he does. So, Steve. Yeah. You don't get an opinion this time. <laughs> anyway, so what did I think <laughs> of this melodramatic? But, Steve, please, I need your opinion. I, I want your I, opinion. You do? I'm nothing without it. Oh. And if I don't include you in here, this show is like maybe 45 minutes long. Yeah. So how, how long can you stretch without me? Um, <laughs> what do you think of this true-to-life sports movie, <laughs> Rudy? I, um, I have said before on this show many times that I don't like to use the word hate to describe how I feel about a movie. Unless I find something about that movie to be like morally repugnant, you know, like, <laughs> like, like Birth of a Nation. I'll say I hate that because it's like a racist movie, you know, um, and I'm not going to say that I hate the movie Rudy, because even though I do think it's a terrible movie that is nearly bereft of artistic accomplishment, there is nothing morally wrong with it. It's not like an evil movie. I am going to say that I hate Rudy the character, however. And not because there's anything morally repugnant about him, because there's not really, um, but just because he's a pushy, self-centered, egotistical little twerp who ought to have his ass beat. Um, here's the thing. I suppose in theory, Rudy... It, I hate him so much. I wish him nothing but pain. Um, I love this. I love it. I, I suppose in theory that Rudy, uh, both the movie and the character, are supposed to be inspirational, right? And the real and, person. And and the real person. Yeah, but see, I, I'll, the real yeah, the real person. But the real person is not in this movie. I mean, he is for like a couple seconds, and like an ex. He's like, I think he's behind. He's that behind baby the for, dad. Yeah. yeah. But this is not. This is quote unquote based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, are those quotes? Yeah, boy. But um, so. It, it, on paper, it's like a Bruce Springsteen song, right? It's mm-hmm. like the you know the humble working class background and the the kid who dreams of getting out and doing something great and you know escaping his humble circumstances and living his dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he has a dream and he and he doesn't let it go and he pursues it until it comes true and and it sounds nice when you say it like that. Mm-hmm. But here's how it goes in the movie: Rudy has a dream. Rudy feels entitled to have that dream come true. Rudy expects other people to care as much about his dream as he does. Rudy expects other people to help his dream come true. Rudy wow. doesn't do it. Rudy doesn't. 
Rudy doesn't do anything to help anyone else, even the people who help him in this movie. He pesters Fortune into giving him a job on the maintenance crew so he can work in the stadium, and he doesn't even do his job, his job that he has been hired to do. He, he volunteered to, to work for free. Fortune is too good of a person for that. Fortune says, I'll at least pay you minimum wage. So Rudy, is, he, he talked his way into a job that he's getting paid for, he doesn't even do the fucking job. He doesn't even pay the guy who is, who is helping him out the least bit of respect and work the job that he's been given to do. He spends all of his time jacking off in the locker room, giving speeches that he's memorized since he was a kid and running like imaginary plays on the field while the other workers on the ground crew just kind of look at him like, what is his deal, right? Um, and I'm not saying that like everything in life has to be transactional. It shouldn't be, but isn't it striking how much Rudy benefits from the help of other people in this movie while never even offering to help someone else in return. He's the most self-centered character I've seen in a movie, at least the most self-centered, supposedly heroic character that I have seen in a movie in a very long time. His pitch to the people he needs help from always goes something like, if you help me and probably go way far out of your way to help me do something I shouldn't be able to do, I'll pay you back by working hard and achieving my dream. Like, gosh, who could turn down an offer like that? You know, you stick your neck out for me and I'll do the thing that I want to do. Um, he has this dream to play football for Notre Dame, but he puts no work in ahead of time. He do, you're right, he does work hard. He eventually does work hard, but he's dreamed his whole life of going to Notre Dame, right? And he expects to just walk up and be allowed on this bus in high school. He knows his grades aren't there. He knows he doesn't. He hasn't done what he needs to do to get here. He expects to just be let on the bus because he really wants it. He walks up to the security guard knowing that he, he hasn't looked up like the admissions process. He hasn't done any work to figure out what he needs to do to get to Notre Dame. He just walks up to the first guy who works for Notre Dame that he finds and says, I want to go to school here. Like he expects people to just go, oh, okay, sure. Come on in, little fellow. Well, I mean, and I guess we're supposed to find it endearing, but I find it infuriating because it happens over and over again. This entitled, presumptuous, know-nothing little shit expecting other people to hand him his dream just because he wants it really bad. And that's pretty much what happens in the movie. Like, that's the plot of the movie. Rudy walks up to people and says, I really, really, really want to do this. And they say, you can't do this. But I really, really, really want to. No, Rudy, you can't. You haven't done what you need to. You haven't earned it. Oh, but I really, really, really want to. Oh, fuck it. Okay. That's, what, that's the plot of the movie. And then we're supposed to celebrate Rudy, not the kind people who have lifted him up for no reason, really, that I can tell. Um... He asks other people to do for him to make his dream come true in exchange for nothing from him, and they do it, and his dream comes true. Yay. I mean, there's there's a scene in here that we kind of that we kind of move past in the summary where it's the scene when he's in the uh, in the locker room and he's getting iced because he's hurt himself in practice, and his his other friend on the team, uh, on the prep team, is the, where where he comes up to him and he says, you know, you're making us look bad out there, and you don't have to push yourself this hard. Um, and we've established previously, I think, that this guy is uh, he's on the prep team, but he knows he's not you know good enough to play for the actual team. And he's the main reason why he's still even on the prep team is because his dad is like a, a graduate and he's sort of a legacy, you know, and that's why he's on the football team. And, and, and sort of implicitly, that's why he, he's at Notre Dame at all. Like, that's, the only, that's how he got in. Um, and he, when he says to Rudy, like, you know, why do you push yourself so hard? And Rudy fires back at him and says, well, if you don't, if you don't like it, if you hate doing this so much, why don't you just quit the team? And the guy says, well, if I quit the team, my dad probably wouldn't pay my tuition. And Rudy says, is that the only reason you're here? And I, I think I said out loud while I was watching it, I said, fuck you, Rudy. You're talking to a guy. He, may, he, yeah, his only reason for living isn't, isn't being a fucking jock sniffer on the football team. You self-centered, entitled piece of shit. You're talking to a guy. And yeah, the, he's probably he's like a rich kid or he's only there because his dad was a, was a graduate or whatever. But he's getting an education at a prestigious university that he's not, that he doesn't have to go into debt for, that his dad is paying for. And yeah, maybe one of the conditions of his dad paying for it is he has to be on the football team, even if it's just on the prep team. And he doesn't want to give up that opportunity at an education and a degree from a prestigious university. So he's on the football team and Rudy judges him for it because he doesn't love being on the football team as much as Rudy thinks he should. Fuck you, you fucking piece of shit.
like that the, the like that anybody would would possibly want to go to Notre Dame or any school because of the education or because of the degree or because for any reason other than they want to pretend that they're a fucking football player. It made me so angry that scene. It made me so angry. And especially the the the, the thought that the movie wanted me to be on Rudy's side. Like he talks down to this other guy for not being as much of a, a you know treating the football team as like his his dream. Then that makes him less in Rudy's eyes. I I, I I mean I didn't like the character already. I fucking despised him after that scene. Um, in generally in general uh, generally speaking, the movie's badly written. It's predictable. No creativity. No imagination. No suspense whatsoever. It's completely paint by number. It's artless. It sucks. Ned Beatty is one of the best actors, I think, who ever walked in front of a camera, and he does what he can for his part, and he does have some nice moments as the dad. Uh, Charles Dutton as Fortune, the, the magical black guy. Again, fantastic actor, playing a character who really isn't even a character, is just a collection of trite cliches, but, you know, he does his best. Everyone else is just kind of there, and that includes Sean Astin, who, I mean, I think we've seen he's capable of giving a good performance, but he spends this movie just kind of with a blank look on his face, just walking up to other characters to hit him up for a favor. Like, his performance isn't bad, per se. He, he doesn't make the movie any worse. He doesn't drag the movie down, but he doesn't make it any better either. Um, the only decent thing about the movie is the score by Jerry Goldsmith, who apparently imagined he was writing music for a much better movie, because that's what he wound up doing. Uh, so um, I don't know much about the real Rudy. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and assume he's not insufferable as the movie version of himself, who I genuinely wish had died. <laughs> I, am, I am genuinely sorry that Rudy makes it to the end of this movie. He deserves only pain and death. That is my review. I turn it over to you, my friend. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> only Steve could claim that a kid with dyslexia from a blue-collar, low-income family is entitled. <laughs> well, that, that's how he acts. That's how he acts in the movie. I don't see him as entitled. I have a much different view on this character. And okay. here are the things that they did get wrong as far as the actual story. The only things that they kind of got wrong, number one, Rudy went directly into the Navy after yeah. after this. In the movie, it's he spends four years working at the steel mill. That didn't happen. Um, there's, I don't think there's any evidence that he had a best friend that died um, in real life. Yeah, Rudy decided that he was going to pursue his dream, and he was going to go to Notre Dame, and he had no idea how to do it. And he did go there. He did attend Holy Holy Names. He did work and try to get his grades up. He wasn't. He didn't get diagnosed with dyslexia until he started going to Holy Names. So, one of the reasons why his grades were so bad in high school was because he had undiagnosed dyslexia. He did use any help that he could find in order to help him get into school, but. There wasn't people pulling strings for him. In the movie and in real life, he applied five or six times until his grades were high enough. It wasn't some person going, oh, Rudy, and patting him on the head and just letting him into the school. He worked really, really hard. He was really afraid that he was going to graduate from Holy Names and then he would not be able to attend Notre Dame at all, which is also kind of present in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um where Steve sees entitlement, I just don't see entitlement. I see Steve, I see characters recognizing that this is something that's very, very important to him that he wants to do. This was, you know, a dream from childhood, and he was taking a very big risk. Steve glosses over the fact that he was fucking homeless. <laughs> and not telling entitled? people, please, I'm homeless, will you let me? I deserve it. He's just walking into a dorm and... And living there, he was you, like. You don't think it's in, you don't think it's entitled like walking into the head coach's office when he's not even going to the school and introducing himself like he's some kind of celebrity. No, I you don't think, think it's entitled. You don't think it's entitled trying to get into the football game without having bought a ticket. He just I expects never got people the to let him in. That he was showing up because he had the right to do it. It felt like he didn't know any better. Right, he was over enthusiastic. Oh. He he walks into the office. I just want to introduce you, and because he has some confidence in himself, but he never walks into offices because, to me, entitlement is I deserve this. What I witnessed in the film was whatever I need to do to do this, I'm willing to do it. Whatever I need to do, you need to get your grades up higher. Okay, whatever you, uh, whatever I need to do to do that, and he works hard to achieve that. 
He says, whatever I need to do to be on the team. He gets a shitty position on, on you know, he's not technically even on the team. He's on the right. prep team. But he's willing to do it, despite the fact that, you know, no one at home believes that he's actually doing it. Um, and at a couple of points, he just uh, he just kind of gives up. And does he lose track of what's important? Like, he's getting an education in Notre Dame that he's, you know... That he's been working, you know, working hard and doesn't seem to go anywhere because he seems to be focused on wanting to play on the game. Yeah, he he does get distracted, you know, he does lose focus on the important stuff, right? The unfortunate part is is that he's based on a real guy who actually did that shit. Um, they did chant Rudy at the last game <laughs> for him to play, and that was because the student paper wrote a wrote a story about him, about how he wanted to do this and how hard he worked and him being homeless and all this other stuff. So my perception of the character is a little bit different from Steve. I never I never really saw him as like this entitled user who just, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, felt like he deserved it. He seemed like an uninformed goober who would just walked in and didn't, you know, an, an over-enthusiastic person who doesn't know this isn't, you know, this isn't, this isn't what he deserves. This is what he wants, but it's not necessarily something that he deserves. He, he gets discouraged. He doesn't, he doesn't, everyone tells him, and this is also true. You're not big enough to play football. He was only five foot six, maybe 165 pounds. Like you're not big enough to play football. You know, you have a lot of heart, but you know, this just isn't going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. They did play around a little bit like the new coach. It was the new coach's idea to put Rudy in. Right. right, and in the movie, he's portrayed as more of a villain. Yeah, he's portrayed more of a villain. I really didn't like that. I really didn't like that. Um, but this story about, you know, people having of a person who, where everyone is telling him, this is dumb, right? When he leaves to go to Notre Dame after Peter dies, he apologizes to his fiance. He's like, I'm sorry, I have to do this. It's a sad thing that he's doing, but he feels like he has to pursue this, Right. Um, and as far as him using other people, I don't see anyone who was suddenly like, oh, God, he's used us all. <laughs> he's like, they're helping him because they can see how enthusiastic he is about doing it. Is it overdone and melodramatic? Certainly it is, because this is that kind of story. It is the inspirational story that he has used as an inspirational, that the real Rudy uses as, as, a, as a motivational speaker afterwards. Because he fucking did it. He actually did it. And now they're making a movie about how he did it. And yes, he had to re rely on people being able to you know, support him and point him in the right direction. But no one gave him a fucking place to live. No one bothered to ask him where he was living. Which was park benches. Which thankfully they didn't show in the movie. <laughs> You know, he was getting food where he could until he could get a job and he could start making money. And yes, he did get work as, as one of the groundskeeper. In the movie, yes, they only portray him as being a weird psychopath, but 99% <laughs> of the time, for the three years that he was there, he was a groundskeeper, right? He actually did work. They didn't show that that much in, in, the, in the movie because the focus was... Can he get his grades up? And then, can he actually get on the team and make a difference? Now, he did inspire his whole team. They loved how enthousi enthusiastic he was about about football and playing the game. And that's why he, he has one record as an actual player for college football. And mm -hmm. that's the sack that he made at the, makes at the end of the movie. And yes, his teammates picked him up and carried him off, off the grounds at the end of the game. That came from somewhere, right? There had to be sure. something there that made, made people go, okay, this guy is playing with all of his ability and all of it. He, people keep saying it, and it's overplayed in the movie, that he's playing, you know, if only you had some... There was a point in which the, the quarterback was like, I'm tired of this guy because he gets sacked during one of the prep games. Right. Rudy, Rudy sacks him. And he's like, I'm tired of this guy constantly fighting. And he's like, if you had half the heart that he did, you'd be All-American. Right. Right. And I know it's thrown around a lot in the movie, but it's also thrown around a lot in sports, right? Because a lot of people, when they're playing sports, they can kind of develop this kind of attitude of what what coaches want is they want guys who have thrown their entire lives into the sport. Mm -hmm. And given half a chance, I have no doubt Rudy would have 
willfully killed himself if the coach said, I want you to go out there and I want you to die, Rudy. He's like, <laughs> fine, and he'll run out there and he'll die for the you team. You got it, coach. <laughs> so I think it's interesting that Steve's Steve's perceptions of, these film, of this film is much different than mine, but I can see where Steve is coming from. Definitely. Definitely see where Steve is coming from. For me, this movie is a harmless, inspirational movie. It's mediocre at best. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. If if some kid watched it, they're not going to go, I'm going to become an asshole. It's basically, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the story about this kid who really, really wants something, and he goes through some hardships to get it. He relies a lot on help because he would realistically need it to be able to do what he wants to do. And despite all of the doubts that his family has and what other people have in regards to him being able to achieve that dream. Um, <clears throat> so do I think it's great? No. I think it's a movie. It's hard to say that it's doing things by the numbers because for the most part they do follow his journey to that end point where he, where he gets carried off the field for the most part with some minor little details changed around. I think uh, the actual Rudy said it's about 92% accurate to what what I, what I was doing. Now, as to Rudy's actual character, hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. Yeah, buddy. Guess who got charged with a pump and dump scheme? <gasps> was it Rudy? It was. In 20- Our beloved Rudy? I think it was in 2017 or something like that. It was, it was like very recently. But he's a boomer, so what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> that, that other shoe was going to drop eventually. Exactly. So, do I think it's harmful? Do I think it has bad messages? No. There are tired tropes in there. Fortune doesn't really exist. He's like a combination of like four or five different people. But, yeah. um, no. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Do I think it needs to be a classic? No. But if someone said, what do you think of Ruby? I'd be like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't make me angry like Steve did. It's nice to see him get worked up about something. <laughs> I mean, look, I... I don't think it's not like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. You know, it's not even close yeah. to one of the worst movies we've reviewed on this show. And Definitely I don't think not. that the movie. And I mean, the other thing is, like, I know very little about the real Rudy. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't really think that that has any bearing on what I think of the movie. I'm judging Rudy, the character in the movie. And as inspirational as the real Rudy may have been, and mm-hmm. as deserving of adulation and respect as the real Rudy may have been, Rudy in the movie deserves to have his ass beat um that that scene and i tell you where the first here's where the first ass beating should have happened not when you know he's he started saying i want to go to notre dame etc etc when 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 he is in the locker room with fortune and fortune is like on his knees ready to do some work yeah and rudy jump and fortune tells him he says okay come on he he let he he gives him a minute he lets him sort of walk around because fortune knows that this is like a big deal for him he lets him walk around and you know talk about oh so and so maybe dressed in this locker and he goes through Mm -hmm. all the statistics fortune gives him a minute and then he says okay let's get to work and rudy completely ignores him and pulls out Mm -hmm. the chair and stands up on a chair and starts giving his little speech at that point fortune should have stood up pulled him off that chair and slapped him so hard he couldn't stand up again because that's bullshit that's disrespectful that's yeah. that's that's egotistical that's completely dis- the the person who is doing you a favor and is trying to help you and you basically just blew them off and said yeah fuck you i want to live out my little fantasy that's what right. makes me think that he's a shitty person and right. I, I don't i don't think he means to be you're right i don't think he's not malicious you know he doesn't try to hurt anybody or use anybody and there are aspects of his situation that are sympathetic. Sure, you know he doesn't have a lot. He has to sleep in mm-hmm. the, the in in the workroom, and you know, but he's just he's a single-minded, you know, self-centered guy who doesn't care uh-huh. about anything or anybody other than him getting to play football. Mm-hmm. And, and I just I think don't think that makes him point, very likable. Here's the thing: I think they kind of point to that being his flaw, and his flaw. I the whole scene with the with the kid with the rich parents, and he's yeah. on the team because he has to. Yeah. I don't think that is supposed to be an inspirational scene for Rudy. I think it's supposed to be pointing out that Rudy's primary flaw is that he's so narrow-focused. And this comes up later when Fortune points out, when he's thinking about quitting, he's like, boo-hoo, you have, a, right. you have basically, a, a de- you're going to walk away here with a degree from one of the, the best universities in the United States. Right. That Rudy does suffer from this kind of 
He's so narrow-focused, and he has so much bound up with him getting onto the team that he can be insensitive to other people, and he isn't focusing on what's in, what eventually he's going to walk away from. Right. right? Not being able to play on the team is inconsequential to the fact that he's going to graduate. You know, he's going to graduate, and he's going to be able to get a much better job than his father ever could, right? And he, that whole scene isn't played to make Rudy look good, and I agree with you. He looks like a, he comes off as a prick because he's so focused on this one thing that he has disregarded everything else around him. For the most part, right? Yeah. He's not mean. I mean, his friendship with Depop is transactional at first, but they eventually become friends, right? They eventually actually become friends. And none of his other stuff is transactional because it really can't be. He can't have a transactional relationship with the fucking priest that got him into Holy Cross. He was like, who knows what the priest would be? He's like, okay. <laughs> well, he <zip."> could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He could. He could. <laughs> um, and it can't really be transactional with his grades because that's all riding on him for yeah. the most part. He has to really knuckle down and get better grades. Otherwise, he's never going to get into Notre Dame. So I think I agree with you. In certain scenes, he can come off as this narrow-focused, almost crazy person, right? Yeah. Who's trying desperately. I mean, I don't... Here's the thing, Steve. If I got... Well, I can't, I can't say that because I did it. I was going to say, if I walked into, the, into the, uh, the locker room of the San Francisco Giants, I don't know how I'd behave. I know exactly how I'd behave. My eyes would become really <laughs> because big. Because you did it. Just be staring at everything because <laughs> I've done it. So it's not, <laughs> it's not a... It's not a thing, but I mean, if if I walked onto the Millennium Falcon or, you know, got to tour something that, you know, or do something that has been so important to me most of my natural life from when I was a kid, I honestly don't know how I'd behave. We know how Rudy would behave like a crazy person. <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, again, like if you walked onto the Millennium Falcon and and... And you were there because someone else was doing you a favor or right. or, some, or, or you had agreed to let you help them do something uh-huh. on the Millennium Falcon. And they gave you like a couple of minutes to kind of take it all in. And then they said, OK, let's get to work. And then you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you went off quoting Star Wars for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think they would be within their rights to knock the shit out of you. I mean, let me let me put it this way: I didn't act like that when I went to Pixar. Okay? Right. When I got to walk into Pixar, I didn't run around like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't run into the. I didn't run into their cereal bar and just. I got to try every cereal that they eat. <laughs> you didn't say, "Where's the lamp? I want to see the lamp." <laughs> You don't have to ask to see the lamp. You can just see it. It's just right, the right lamp there. is the the lamp is the tour guide. The lamp mm. is the lamp greets you when you walk in. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't run around inside their their personal screening room where they screen all the movies and where right. I saw uh, Brave. Yeah, um, and act like a freak. But I was also in my forties when that happened. <laughs> so it's like. I was uh, much older. This guy's, I think, 24? Yeah. By the time he finally gets starts doing By the 22, time he, 23. Yeah. Well, I think 22 when he, when he moves to South Bend, and I think 24 scene, when he actually gets into the school, yeah. What the scene needed is that after he finished his little speech, he needed to go, okay, come on, you need to hook up this sump pump. Yeah, yeah. Get to work. I said, let's get to work. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, sits, and he goes down, and they needed to show him working more but that wasn't the focus it was the fact that he got a job not necessarily that because once he got the job i'm sure he did it or whatever i don't know well we know i mean i'm sure the real rudy did it i have no idea what this movie rudy did we don't know because he probably jacked he probably jacked off every day and you know (laughs) and fortune was just like what am i doing here that's right he just ran around like a (laughs) four-year-old I mean, I'm Newt Rockney. <laughs> that's how he is. That's how he You're is. Messing up the field, kid. <laughs> so Steve hated it. I'm, uh, you know, I'm bad. Uh, bad movie. Bad okay, movie. fine. Steve, do you have yeah. something you want to recommend? Oh boy, I do. Oh good. I do. I wanted to recommend a movie that is exactly the opposite of Rudy. So I found a movie that is exactly the opposite of Rudy. It's still a sports movie. Mm-hmm. But it's not the kind of sentimental crap that Rudy is. Oh, no. It's unsentimental. It's also, it's not a fiction film. It's a documentary. Oh, good. And it's not about football. But it's, it's about, about basketball. A, it's about kind of a football-like sport, sort of. Oh, God, what? It's a documentary from 2005 that mm-hmm. uh, was nominated for an Oscar but didn't win. 
Who cares? Um, I know you don't care, but some people care. But it's a little it's it's a little movie that you might have heard of called Murder uh, Ball. Oh yeah, I've never I actually haven't seen that. It's really good. And it, for people who haven't seen it, it's it's about uh uh people who play uh quadriplegic rugby or wheelchair rugby. Mm. And they're all people who have had spinal injuries, so they can they 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 have either extremely limited use or or no use of of their legs. And mm-hmm. and some and most of them have some impairment in their arms as well. And um, but they're these incredible world class athletes that that yeah. play in, in in the Paralympics, and it focuses mostly on the U.S. team, but it also spends a lot of time with the Canadian team because those are sort of the the great rivals um, in the in the championships that the that the movie focuses on. Um, right. And and it's you you meet several of the players and sort of get to know them and learn a little bit about the sport and follow them over the course of a couple of years as they're going through these competitions and it also um shows you a little bit about what it's like to live as a person with a spinal injury what it's like to live as a a, a quadriplegic and and it's not are you sure it's a quad or a paraplegic um apparently it's quad i thought i I thought yeah i thought quad was when you can't move anything from the neck down but apparently quadriplegia means that you have some impairment in all four limbs oh okay but but these guys obviously because they can they can play the sport they can they they can use their their arms to a degree Mm -hmm. um, but they have some degree of impairment like they can't close they can't make a fist or something like that but um but it follows them and shows you a little bit about what life is like for them in a way that is not like sentimental or trying to be inspirational or trying to be like after school special like you know they're people just like us too aren't they brave and courageous like it's not it really avoids all of those pitfalls and mm-hmm. come and and you it's, mean it's not patronizing it's not really patronizing at all it allows them to speak for themselves mm-hmm. and some of the things that they talk about in interviews is how frustrating it is that you know when people treat them like that like there's there's an interview there's a talking head with one of them who's talking about how describing a time when he went to the grocery store and and after he had gotten his groceries loaded into his car or whatever he's getting ready to lift himself out of his wheelchair into his car and someone walking by said oh do you need help and he said like i wouldn't have driven myself to the grocery store <laughs> if i was if i knew i couldn't get back in the car you know but it, and it's like mm-hmm. i'm sure and I'm, I'm sure the person saying that didn't mean anything it didn't, didn't mean any harm but it's that unthinking sort of patronizing you know like of course he he doesn't need your help he's here by himself like he knows what he's doing he can do this you know uh but it's there's stuff like that all through it and and you know if, so if you're interested in that if you're interested in sports it's a great sports movie the sport itself looks absolutely brutal i mean there's you see these guys just slamming into each other they have these i think at one point they call them road warrior wheelchairs because they're so you know uh like modified to be used to play in this incredibly aggressive competitive uh contact sport of wheelchair rugby and it's just it's a really really good movie um so whether you liked rudy or not i would say if if you if you if you like sports movies and if you like sports documentaries and you haven't seen it already because it has been out for about 15 years um Mm -hmm. check out murder ball okay my turn it's your turn as you guys know i like to not recommend a film from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed and i'm not recommending mr nanny starring (gasps) hogan oh good one there's no reason to watch it there's no reason is there a reason, Steve? No. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say this. It is bad even for a Hulk Hogan movie. Just think about that for a few seconds. <laughs> That's right. It's bad even for a Hulk Hogan movie. And he had to work with Sherman Hemsley. And we all know about Hulk Hogan, don't we, guys? Oh, so, I wonder what that set was like. I don't even want to. I don't even want to. He plays, He has. he's a wrestler, and through hijinks, he becomes a nanny. And the kids torture him, and it's funny. And, <laughs> and he deserves it's not. it. <laughs> it's terrible. Don't waste your time. There's nothing worse than a failed comedy. Oof. And this one is that's what this is. Definitely. I mean, I, I guess it's great to watch a man who, through years of wrestling, his body has been tormented stiffly walk around and pretend to get hurt by children, but <laughs> not for me. So don't see it. Mr. Nanny. Hey, Steve. Yeah, man. It's time for you to make a terrible choice. Oh, boy. It turned out so good this time. I can't wait to do it again. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) As you guys know, I make Steve choose the next movie that we're going to review. There are three movies lined up, and he has to make a blind choice. So, Steve? (sighs) Yes. This is going to be a sci-fi movie. Ooh, okay. A, B, or C. Do it. Do it. I can't wait. I'm on pins and needles. (laughs) Hurry. I'm going with A. Come on. I'm going with A. 
Okay, A. Oh, we're going to have so much fun, Steve. Oh, boy. Had you chosen B, we would have watched the classic 1950s The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ooh. Had you chosen C, we would have watched the 1970s Westworld. Okay. But you chose A, a movie that we probably should have reviewed a long time ago, but haven't. And even though it bombed when the year it came out, it has become a legend. Oh, boy. The movie that we're going to review next time is the sci-fi computer graphics epic, <gasps> Tron. Oh, boy. So, if you guys want to get all the jokes or find out why we're laughing so hard, go watch <laughs> Tron before our next review. And that's it. We're done. Short movie, because there wasn't a whole lot of plot. It nope. was a whole lot of montage. Yep. For late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. My job is to basically beat the shit out of you for the next five days. Wait, when did I hire you to do that? That's my job. Who told you that was your job? It wasn't me. My job is to basically beat the shit out of you for the next five days. That's my job. That's my job. You're just making, you can't make up jobs and just say that's my job. It's not your job. We never agreed to that. It's not contingent on your agreement. It's just my job. It's just the way it is. Do you have a piece of paper showing with this job description? Yeah. Can I see it? Not right now. No, I want to see it. I I don't, here, okay, here it is. Right right here, right here. Here, take it. Take a look at it. Parting the first part shall be second part every five days. For the next five days. See, it says right there. The next, yeah. But it also says that you're supposed to be wearing stockings, and you're not wearing stockings. That's the wrong sheet of paper. Give me that. No, it's not. Give it's it mine, and I'm reading it, it now. Let's see. Stockings, bow peep outfit, no. and you're to beat me with a carved salami. That uh, now, that okay, is correct. Yeah. That is correct. That's pretty much it. I didn't realize you got your hand on this. This is more of a wish list than anything else but i mean if you're willing to go through it great i'll five, be willing i'll sit here and wait for you to change five days five days that's right baby all right okay i'll be right back I'm wait i go. gotta change one word it's oh. the word beat <laughs> <laughs> bye everybody bye everybody okay i think that's our shortest review ever i it's the shortest one for a while yeah yep Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.